family, our church family, our friends, everyone around us not yet connected to Jesus. And that makes Jesus smile, and we want to make Jesus smile. Now, I wanted to start off the year reading that. We're probably going to read that every, every Sunday of this series just to help us remember that is what we are all about. Right there. That is the big umbrella. That's it. Now, I want to start off today and be as transparent as possible with you. I want to be honest. We always try to be honest. Um, and I just want to kind of let you know a little bit about me. Sometimes I'm afraid to not know what to say, to not be able to say the right things when I'm talking to somebody in a conversation. If you have had a loved one that dies, I struggle with what is the right thing to say. I struggle with that. What is the right thing to say? What if I say the wrong thing to the family and I hurt them? What if I don't give them the answers that that family needs to hear in that moment when that loved one has died? It's even true for illness. We have some very dear family members right now, part of Stuttgart Harvest Church, that are not here today because of serious illness in the family. And I think to myself, what are the words? What, what's the right thing to say? And I struggle with that, not knowing what, what should I say to help in this situation. When bad things happen to good people, I struggle with knowing what is the right thing to say. And that can be scary for me because I am a person of faith. I have faith and I let people know I'm a follower of Jesus. And to be one of the spiritual leaders at the Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, as, as one of the leaders, as one of the pastors, as one of the ministers, and then for me to have questions? For me to struggle and not know why, not being able to answer the why questions, for me to be a leader, a pastor, a minister, and to have my own doubts in life, it feels like, Cole, I'm doing something right wrong. Well, let's face it. Sometimes yeah. the church world kind of this world we find ourselves yeah. in right now, whether we're in the building, watching online, the church world sometimes can be the absolute toughest place in the world to be real when you really don't know. Yeah. So when it's really hard to be real with other people, real with ourselves, real with our surroundings, when really we don't know the answers to so many of the questions, I know me, what I do, I, we, we pretend. We tend to pretend like we have it all figured out. We pretend that uh, we have the answers to the questions before the questions are even, a, are even asked. Yeah, and I think that's a normal Christian thing to do. I think that's a do. very normal response. That's yeah. just kind of not even a Christian response. I think that's just kind of a human response. When we don't know, we fake it. Fake, fake it till you make it, it, right? Fake it till you make it. Um, and for someone who is not connected with a church, so they, they don't consider themselves a part, as what you mentioned early, uh, the family, yeah. uh, loving the father, the family, and friends. And for somebody that doesn't necessarily consider themselves a part of the family, um, that can be difficult. That can be a hard thing 
uh, to experience. So to give you a few examples, maybe someone in this room right now or someone watching, maybe you would identify yourself as a seeker. Uh, you're in the process right now, and that word process is going to be very important as we go forward this morning, but you're in the process right now of seeking. You're looking for truth. You're just not really sure how to go about it. So one of the places that you've been told that you can find truth is in the church. So you come into a new environment called the church, uh, this environment that we're in right now. Uh, you're not really sure how to navigate this church world. Yeah. You don't really know what to expect. You, you don't know when to stand <laughs> or, or when to sit, right? You, 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 you're really worried when you walk in that you're going to be asked to do something that is uncomfortable or even worse, you're going to be pointed out in public. So for you, this area that we're in right now called again the church where you've been told your entire life, this is where you can find truth. This is where you're going to find answers to those questions. For you as a seeker, this isn't really that safe of a place. Because there are so many unknowns. It's kind of like walking into someone else's family reunion. You know, I'm not a part of the family. You walk into someone's family reunion and what are you going to be? You're going to be sticking out in your mind. Like a sore thumb, Like basically. a sore thumb. Yeah. Like Taylor's yeah, sore Taylor thumb. Taylor can re relate. So maybe we are some seekers this morning, maybe some of us. Maybe some of us, though, are skeptics. And maybe we have trusted someone and we have severely been let down by that person. And maybe that person was a Christian. And so our defenses are way up, possibly. Maybe we're very, very cautious now about going into a Christian environment because we have been hurt by one of those Christians. And that could make us very skeptical, and that makes a lot of sense. Because we want to trust people, but now we maybe don't easily trust other people. Walking into a, a building like this or checking things out online Maybe you're a little bit nervous, or we could be a little bit nervous about relationships inside the church, and we're wondering, can I trust you? As you walk in, you may be thinking that of us. You may be wondering, will this person or someone there, will they judge me? And so if we are having trouble with trust because of a past experience and we have become skeptical, then maybe we're coming in and our defenses are way high trying to protect us because we've heard about churches, we've heard about Christians, and we think to ourselves, yeah, I'm going to try because I, there's something in me calling me here, but I, 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 I'm, I have a feeling I'm going to end up being disappointed and being hurt. I, I more relate to this next one. I, I feel like me, just about myself, what I know about myself, and that is being cynical. Maybe you're just cynical. Maybe you're, you're not necessarily, uh, maybe you're seeking, maybe you're not. Maybe you're skeptical, maybe you're not. Maybe you're cynical about this whole thing. Um, you walked in or you tuned in online, and pretty much when you hit the button or walked in the door, you were pretty confident, mm, I can't trust these people. I'm not going to be able to trust these people. So the cynic will walk in and they're going to pretty much look for anything that will prove that right. Prove that, yeah, I can't trust you. You're really this way, even though you claim to be that way. 
The cynic would walk in and, and, and feel or say something like, yeah, I knew that you would act like that toward me when I walked in. And I've got a little bit of a past, or I've got this, or I've got that. I don't fit that specific mold that we traditionally think of inside of a church. And I knew that when I walked in, yeah, you were going to act that way to me. Or I knew you were going to stare at me when I walked in. And everybody, you know, I walked in a few minutes late, and everybody turned around and, <laughs> and stared at me. You can't do that in here because we've got it so dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I knew you were going to judge me. I knew those things were going to happen. You were very cynical about this idea of church. You came in with your defenses up, ready to strike, ready to go. Let's go. Show me, prove to me that I'm right about all of these things. And, and there's no way, there's no way that in those instances, if those things happen, there's absolutely no way this is going to be a safe place for me in your mind. There's no way. This can't be a safe place. So I'm ready to take you down. Don't test me. That's just it. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're none of those. Maybe you're just a doubter. <gasps> oh, Harley, you can't doubt. <laughs> you can't doubt the things we're talking about. It's just, I mean, you're doubting Jesus? Maybe you're a doubter. And you think, I, I kind of want to believe. I want to believe these things, but I've got a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of things about this, this following Jesus concept that I don't really understand. I don't get. I got some questions that need to be answered. And, and I've got to be honest with you. For this to work, I've got to, have, I've got to see some proof. And, and man, there is absolutely no possible way that I'm going to be comfortable in this church environment. Stuttgart Harvest Church, Church in Malvern. There's no way because among, above all things, you can't doubt. You cannot doubt anything that comes out of the Bible. It's, if I do that, I, it's just I'm not going to be comfortable. And, and, and the doubter, you might come in looking, you know, we're looking, but we're afraid to get in too deep until we really understand how all of this thing works and that it is absolutely, really is for real. And again, that's, that's a tough one because, Harley, you, you can't doubt, right? You can't doubt. That's the way I grew up. You can't doubt. If you doubt, yeah. something's wrong with you. You can't be welcomed in the church. And so many people seem so sure in this church. They're so confident. And they, they really, they got it all together. And they seem to be so confident that, that this following Jesus thing is legitimate. I don't think as a doubter I can be comfortable there. And it cannot be a safe place for me because I have so many doubts. And everything I know about church says you can't doubt. Right. So that leaves us in a conundrum. Conundrum. Yeah. What a great word. Now, these are fears and anxieties and worries, and basically they're all related to not knowing, to not having an answer, to not having all the answers, to not being maybe a true insider of that Christian group. Or we think to ourselves possibly, you know, maybe I want to be, and I don't know how to break in. I don't know how to get in. I don't know how to be in. I don't know how to stay in. I don't know how to become one of these things you're talking about, a Christ follower. How do I get all the answers so I can be as confident as the people around me so that I can know what to do, when to do it, when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel? If we do feel like that that we look around us and we say, man, I, I'm, I, I'm not near as far down the road as Cole or Harley. How, how can I survive? I'm not near down 
uh, as far down that Christ-following road as someone else I've seen. So how do I get in there and, and, and make it when I'm never going to be as far down the road as that person may be? Well, let me say this. There's a phrase that I want to give you in just a moment, and that phrase separates Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern from most of my growing up church experience from the past. This one phrase that I'm going to give you potentially could eliminate most of our church fear and church anxiety. I'm going to give it to you in just a moment. Now, this phrase is not true from every church I've been a part of, but it is definitely true for Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern. All right? It can solve many of these anxieties, many of these feelings, many of these thoughts of, I'm an outsider, will never be an insider. Do you want, you, do you want to know what that phrase is? This true descriptive phrase is this. It is okay to be in process. It really is okay. It is okay to not have all the answers. And it is okay to, to, to be a part of us and to grow with us. It is okay to be in this room right now at this very moment and still be kind of seeking, or maybe still be kind of cynical or skeptical. That's okay. This is a safe place for doubters. This is a safe place for people who feel like, even pastors who feel like, they don't have all the answers. And do you know why that is the case? It's very simple. Because only Jesus has all the answers. That's it. None of us have all of the answers. Harley does not have all the answers. I certainly do not have all of the answers. You can take all of the people in this room, regardless of where they're at on that path of following Jesus, put all of our knowledge, all of our wisdom in one place, and we still don't have all of the answers. And God knows we don't have all of the answers, and for that reason, God doesn't expect us to have all the answers right now. And at Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, it is okay to ask questions. It's okay. It is okay to seek. It's okay to doubt. Ooh. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to be cynical. It's okay to be skeptical. All of those things, they're okay. Here at, the, uh, the, at Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, it is okay to not be okay. In fact, yeah. it's expected to not be okay. It's a safe place for us to ask questions and for us to maybe not always have those questions to be answered. Because again, we don't always know the answers. All of us have doubts, no question about it. Starting with me at the very top of the list, all of us have doubts but we have doubts because our knowledge is imperfect. And it's not only imperfect, it's also incomplete. Yeah. So step one in this process that, that Harley just mentioned, this, this process of, of following Jesus, 
Step one is just being honest about your doubts because everyone has them. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about someone in the new covenant. We talked about him a little bit last week, in fact. We're going to talk about someone. His name was John the Baptizer. Say, actually, too, I, I mean, when you think, this just came to me, but he actually is part of bridging that gap mm -hmm. between the old and the new. And the right. new. Yeah. So his name's John the Baptizer. Why do they call him John the Baptizer? Because that's what he did. He baptized. Real simple. <laughs> Let's don't overthink it. John baptized. So he was John the baptizer. And Matthew tells us about John the baptizer. He gives us a lot of information or a pretty good chunk of information. And I'm going to read several uh, scriptures here, several uh, verses out of Matthew's gospel about Jesus, his biography about Jesus. Because again, as Harley said, John the baptizer, he kind of bridged the gap between the old and Jesus and the new. Uh, so in Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse 7. It'll be on your screen. I'm just going to kind of read straight through here. So you just kind of follow along. Uh, but when he saw, this is John the baptizer, saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, because that's what he did, what he did. <laughs> to baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Now, I want to give you real quickly the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yes. These were the, this was the two uh, opposing, maybe a word. They were the two religious uh, groupings, parties. parties. That's a good word. Yeah. Parties of this uh, first century culture, this Jewish culture. Uh, they were kind of in the same Eh, they were in the same park, but they might have been playing on a different field. Okay, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were kind of the most, they were top. The spiritual rulers. The spiritual class. rulers and leaders yeah. of this culture. And John's response, John the Baptist's response to these individuals was, well, uh, you see, it's quite aggressive. <laughs> he was quite <laughs> aggressive toward them. And then in verse 8, he says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. He said, that's not a, that, that's nothing to, to claim to be something because you're the children of Abraham, because of your lineage. Verse 10, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And then John tells us something we kind of already knew. I baptize with water. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. And then he says, but someone, by the way, spoiler alert, he's talking about Jesus here. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing floor, gathering the wheat into his barn, burning the chaff, never-ending fire. Okay, so what's the point of all of that? Well, what are we trying to get across here? Well, let's be real clear. John the baptizer has a moment right here that Matthew tells us about of absolute 100%, no questions asked, confidence. Yeah. John, he was 100% convinced of what he was saying. There was no questions in his mind at that moment. I mean, he was talking to very influential and important people when he was we, he was saying these things very harsh things total confidence and if if all we knew about John if this was the only snapshot that we had of John's life we would walk away and say wow that guy's pretty sure of everything he's no questions about this guy he knows who he is who he's following and why he is following him and then we go on 
to, a, to the next four verses, and Matthew really doesn't change that opinion about John. Because this is what happens in verse 13. We find out that Jesus, who happened to be John the baptizer's cousin, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. So Jesus himself is going to be baptized by John. But John did exactly what I think I would have done. He tries to talk him out of it, according to verse 14. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agrees to baptize him. After his baptism, as Je- now, this is so cool. Don't, I mean, as Jesus is coming out of the water, according to Matthew, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, on, on, on Jesus. Verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Okay, big deal there, right? Let's don't miss this. John heard the voice of God. Wow. John heard the voice of God with his own ears. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot bigger than that in terms of, I mean, think about it. If you heard the voice of God with your own ears, how much confidence would you have in what you were telling, what you were saying? Yeah. I mean, my goodness, if all of the, if this is all we knew of John the baptizer's life, if this was even these two snapshots, it was it. It's the only two snapshots that we have of the life of John the baptizer. We, I would probably say, hey, he heard God's voice. If I heard God's voice, like John the baptizer heard God's, heard God's voice, I would be confident and would be unshakable uh, in my faith. I would have no more doubts, and Harley, I would have no more questions. We might think that, but we'd be wrong. Not too long after this happened, uh, called which Herod arrested uh, John? Herod Antipas, the son, one of the sons of Herod the Great. We talked about that last week. He had John arrested not too long after this. So one day, this day, John's life seems to be headed in a great direction. He's preparing the way for Jesus, who is the Messiah, and Jesus is getting ready to start his earthly ministry. So John kind of bridges the gap between the old covenant and now the new covenant. He's in a good place. Everything was going as expected, and God was doing what John expected But things must have seemed like they changed overnight because now John is in prison and not just getting a slap on the wrist. This is pretty serious for him. He's in prison. Things are not looking good for him. And maybe, just maybe, what he's hearing now, Jesus is not doing the things the way John thought Jesus was going to do them or he had imagined. Maybe God is not responding the way that John thought God should or would respond. And now suddenly, this confident John, the baptizer, is now flooded with doubts and questions swirling around the mind and the life of John while he's in prison. And here's another snapshot of John now. We get it from Matthew again. Matthew chapter 11. Here's how that reads. 
when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, so he told them some specific things to do to go out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. Now here's what happens. Verse 2. But John the Baptist, John the baptizer, who was in prison now, he heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So, and in essence, there's something he's not sure about now once he heard all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples, just the guys who traveled with him and followed him, and now John's in prison, but they're still checking in on him. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, and here's what he asked him, and here they sent this message with his disciples to Jesus, and here's what they asked Jesus, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or, Jesus, should we keep looking for someone else? We're talking about someone who heard the voice of God when he himself baptized Jesus, the Messiah. But now as he's staring through the prison bars and Jesus Christ, Christ, which that word means the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah, was maybe not doing things the way John thought the Messiah would do things, he's suddenly asking the question, Jesus, I was pretty confident you're the one, but now I'm not sure, are you the one? John suddenly has some very severe doubts and big, deep questions, real doubts, real questions for Jesus. Questions and doubts need a safe place to be opened, to be explored. I do the same thing. You might do the same thing. Maybe God doesn't do something the way that we think he should. Maybe it's contrary to the way we think that God should respond or behave in this world or interact with his creation. And when God does not do something that we expect or maybe we need him to do, there are times when we all have a question or we have a doubt. And this is what happened for John as well. In verse 4, Jesus takes this in. He doesn't smash John, he doesn't thrash John. Here's what he says. Jesus told them. He said, go back, listen. Go back and tell him. Tell him what you have heard and what you have seen. He says, tell him, the blind see. In fact, you've seen it happen. The lame walk. The lepers are cured. You have the lepers, not leopards. <laughs> the lepers are cured. And, and you have seen it. And, and the deaf are now hearing. Appropriate for Malvern. The deaf are hearing. And even the dead are raised to life. And most importantly, the good news is being preached to the poor. 
And he said, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Let me say a word here. He's saying, hang in there, John. It's okay to have doubts, but don't let your doubts, don't let your unanswered questions drive you away from me. Let them drive you to me. So we here at Stuttgart Harvest Church, the church at Malvern, we tell the truth. We, we do. We, we work so hard. It's hardly, I think you even started this series with that statement. We want to be transparent and honest. We tell the truth. Um, we tell our stories of faith. And we want to do our absolute best to point a seeker or a cynic or a, a doubter or, or any of those things. We want to point them to Scripture for those questions. But, and this is very important, it means that we spend great time walking in their shoes, trying to understand what it feels like to be an outsider to faith. We, we, we want to spend so much time trying to understand what that looks like and, and what that means and what those roadblocks could be to coming to faith and becoming a follower of Jesus. And we want to understand but we understand we don't have a clue what that feels like and what that looks like, or at least we don't in this moment. We, we want to uh, understand what it's like wanting to ask questions, needing to ask questions, having questions. But man, that seeker or that cynic or that doubter or that, um, uh, what was the other one? Skeptic. Yeah. Skeptic. We want to understand having those questions, but not wanting to offend by asking those questions or not being sure if even asking questions or doubting or being skeptical or cynical is even in the rules. Can you even do that? We, we want to we put that aside. We want to be able to put all of that aside because our goal is to be a safe place to be in process. Why? Because Harley's in process, and I'm in process, and everyone, we're all somewhere in process, and we want to be a safe place to be in process. We want to be a safe place to be honest about our doubts, honest about our questions. We want to be a safe place where we can talk about things, and we can listen to others not to try and fix them, because let's face it, I'm not the fixer. Harley's not the fixer. We want to listen not trying to fix. We're not trying to answer people um, because we're dealing with our own doubts and our own questions too. We're, we're not the answer people. We're not the fixers. Now, kind of not changing the scene or changing the story, but kind of going to another example of what we're talking about this morning. I want you to buckle your seatbelt for just a second. Because this next one that we're about to go to is probably going to maybe shock you. It's going to surprise you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you buckled your seatbelt? Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to have everything that you thought you understood about a person to be shaken? Maybe even create some questions right now. We can create some questions. 
maybe shaken to the point where we can know without any doubt that God desires this right here to be a safe place where questions are okay and doubts are okay and seeking is okay and investigating this idea of following Jesus and being in process is okay. Buckle your seatbelt because all we've got to do to show that that is in fact the case is look at Jesus himself. Look at Jesus himself. God doesn't hate doubters. God doesn't judge people with unanswered questions. In fact, if you have questions, you are in the absolute best possible company. You are in the company of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah himself. Oh, that's true. So here's that snapshot. Jesus, having just been put on trial... He knew it was coming. In fact, he knew it had to happen. Having been tortured nearly to death, now hangs on the cross where he is going to die. And there on the cross, Jesus humiliated Jesus, taking on the sins of the world, Jesus. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 27, he was there watching. At noon... Darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. About 3 o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, me. Don't miss this. Jesus, who is God. Did you catch that? Jesus, who is God and is sinless, had a question, not just any question, a serious question. This is amazing. Jesus had questions. He had a question. Jesus had some doubt. He had some, some, definitely some pain, some struggles. And yet through all of that, in that moment, in that snapshot, Jesus, God, the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen, you could go down the list of descriptive terms. He still had faith. And it was okay. It was okay. He had a question and yet he still had faith. And those two things, that tension can be right side by side. And it's okay. That's all part of the human experience. That Jesus, God himself, agreed to when he became a part of this human experience. Now God in his, or Jesus in his divinity is God. He couldn't have done that. But when he put on the flesh of man and experienced what we experience on a daily basis, it became okay. He, he, he had a question. Yeah. And yet he still had faith. If you have questions or unanswered questions would be a better word. If you have unanswered questions, that's okay. If you have doubts, that's me. That's okay. You don't have to pretend. This Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, it is a safe place for you. It is a safe place for me. Because Jesus makes room in this plan for all of these questions. 
and all these doubts, it's okay. Yeah. You know, we do have times, moments, seasons, when we have great confidence. But that's not all the time. And it may not even be most of the time. When you look in the New Covenant, the people who never struggled, the people who never seemed to doubt, the people who never really seemed to wrestle with what it meant to chase after God, those are not the heroes in the New Covenant, the heroes of faith. No. You know who they were? The people who never doubted, never struggled like that? They were the Pharisees. They were the people who had Jesus arrested and put him on trial and had Jesus killed. The Pharisees. How many churches have I been a part of that have become like them, the Pharisees? So confident that they know exactly what God should do and when he should do it and how he should do it. And if they weren't confident, then they pretended that they were confident. But at Stuttgart Harvest Church, the church in Malvern, it is okay for us to be in process. It really is okay. It is okay for us to not have all the answers. It is okay for us to be involved and to grow together. It's okay to be here and still be seeking. This is a safe place for cynics and skeptics. It's a safe place for doubters, a safe place for people who don't have all the answers. Questions, doubts, struggles. That's not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is a decision to not trust God. That's the opposite of faith. Making a decision to walk away from God. The New Covenant gives us another snapshot of another man. And this man desperately needed Jesus to show up in his life, and the life of his family. And he pleaded with Jesus. Here's what he said. Mark chapter 9 verse 24. The father cried out, I do believe. In other words, I believe in you, Jesus. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. He says, I believe, but I don't believe. I I believe, but I'm struggling. I'm having doubts. I have questions that are unanswered, and I need you to help me. I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That father in that moment was imperfectly trusting. And that's us. He was imperfectly trying to have faith. He was doing what all humans must be willing to do. And that is we must be willing to learn how to trust in the midst of struggle. Trust In the midst of unanswered questions, trust in the midst of doubt. And he engaged Jesus with his doubts, and he engaged Jesus with his questions, and he 
was looking for a safe place to have a dialogue. He was not looking for a monologue. And in the church, dialogues are needed more than monologues. For us to be a safe place um, for doubts and a safe place for questions and a safe place to be inside of the process, we've got to understand the other person. We have to understand um, the other person's position, maybe even more than we want that person to understand ours. That's part of uh, you being you before me. We talked about that back in July. Postered above our wall as you walk out, above the door. You before me, that's part of it. Sometimes we have to understand their position more than they understand our position. And those conversations that we have to be able to have to be a safe place as Stuttgart Harvest Church and as the Church of Malvern, it requires a lot of trust and a lot of faith. It requires our ability to let go of the need to fix that person. Our ability to let go of our uh, need to change that person or to control that person's beliefs or that person's actions. It actually means exactly what the New Testament or the New Covenant intends. It requires us to allow the burden of change and the burden of fixing beliefs and fixing actions and just fixing in general, it requires us to transfer that burden over to God's Spirit, which is where it actually belongs. And it allows us, by doing that, by transferring that need to change and to fix and to, and, and, and to make those tangible impacts, it allows us then to simply do this. You say, what's the whole point this morning? It's this. That allows us to simply create a culture in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And very soon in Malvern, Arkansas, it will allow us to create a culture where it is safe to doubt, it is safe to ask questions, and it is safe to explore faith at our own pace. Yeah, our own pace. That's, that's important because sometimes... That's fast. Sometimes that takes years. So dialogues, asking questions, sharing doubts. That says a whole lot about a church. Being able to do that says a whole lot about our church. It says it is okay to be in the process. God is not finished with me yet. It's okay to be in the process. Now, here's why we would even talk about this today. The reason is because some of us have been following Jesus for years and years and years, and it is so easy to forget what it feels like to be on the outside trying to make your way toward Jesus, trying to navigate the questions and the doubts. And we need to remember that we must remain a safe place for doubts, a safe place for questions. And in order to do that, then we have some questions for you today. It all kind of boils down to this. You say, what what do I do about all this, Harley? Well, here are some next steps for you possibly today. 
The first one is a question. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone who was not a follower of Jesus? And the conversation was about Jesus. And you just simply listened to what they had to say so that you can understand their journey, their doubts, and their struggles. Not so that you could be the answer person, not so that you could give them a monologue about how they should and could trust, but so that you could understand them. You really listened to them more than you were talking. When was the last time you had that conversation? And I would say to that, we should be having those conversations all the time, every week with somebody. Here's the next question. Are you willing to listen more than you speak? There's some good scripture to support that, isn't there? Are you willing to listen to them so you can understand their journey, to listen to them more than you speak? And here's the last question for this week. Are you willing to allow someone to hang out here in Stuttgart Harvest Church and at the newly forming church in Malvern? Are you willing for them to come and hang out here and maybe even be in your small group and, and be on your serving team and be around? Are you willing to allow them to hang out with all of their doubts, with all of their questions? Are you willing for them to be there with you in the process with me for months and months and months and maybe even for years and years? as they wrestle to find faith. Are you willing to help us do exactly what God has called us to do? As we are simply loving the Father, our church family, and our friends. And that makes Jesus smile. And we want to make Jesus smile. And yes, we tell them the truth. And yes, we share with them our stories of faith. And yes, we point them to Scripture. But listen, we don't ever do that until we understand their journey. And we hear from them where they are. And that might take months. A process of sharing your stories of faith for months and years and still never coming to a, a resolution, a resolving the issue of the questions and the doubts. But we simply love them as we journey with them. And as God is changing us and we share about that and we're listening to their story even if their story involves doubts and struggles and questions, are you willing for them to journey with you while they find faith? Let's pray. Jesus, 
could it be that you ask God the Father one of the toughest questions ever? Perhaps one that was not even immediately answered. Jesus, can you help us to remain in a safe place at Stuttgart Harvest Church and the church in Malvern, a safe place where you can allow us to explore our doubts and our questions and to talk about those with other people as we pursue you. We want to believe and we ask you, Jesus, help us overcome our unbelief only the way you can. God the Father and your Spirit, that is what you do. And we ask you to do that in our midst, in our lives. And in the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.